Uh, yesterday, my wife asked me if uh, I was uh, excited, excited about the fact that I was about to conduct the marriage ceremony of my youngest son to uh, a lovely lady. She, we, are you excited about that? And I said, well, yeah, not really. I'm not one of those kinds of people that gets excited about uh, things. I'm a fairly um, low-key, uh, maybe bland or boring kind of person. Uh, that's just uh, my nature. But I must admit, there is something that I do get excited about, and that is uh, Jesus Christ and what he's uh, done for us, what he's done for me. And uh, in particular, as I look at the scriptures and I see him proclaimed uh, in the scriptures, I'm indebted to a, a man called um, Peter Bloomfield, uh, a minister of the gospel, who uh, lectured me uh, when my uh, training for the ministry years. And one of the things he talked to us about was the angel of the Lord. Who is he? Now, if you've been at the Bible studies that have been conducted within the church, uh, some of us have been looking at Genesis. And uh, in Genesis uh, chapter 16, we read about the angel of the Lord. Who is he? Who is this angel uh, of the Lord? Most people think that he's one of the more senior angels who speak on behalf of God, somebody like Gabriel or uh, Michael. But is that who he is? Maybe the angel of the Lord was the Lord himself. Let's have a good look at the scriptures. In Genesis 16, as I just said, we read that uh, Sarai was unable to fall pregnant, so she gave her maidservant as a wife to her husband Abram. And the maidservant, Hagar, fell pregnant. And from that time on, she despised her mistress, Sarai. And Sarai, in return for being despised, mistreated Hagar, and Hagar fled into the wilderness. The angel of the Lord. Exodus, uh, Genesis 16 Verses 7 to 16. We're going to be looking at Genesis uh, a couple of times. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to uh, Genesis. And we'll read, first of all, from Genesis 16, verses 7 to 16. <clears throat> now the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar... Slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, You are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. And she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. Remember, 
who is the angel of the Lord. So she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy, which means in Hebrew, I have now seen the one who sees me. And it's still there between Kadesh and Beret. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Now we know from the text that it was the angel of the Lord who was speaking to her, yet in verse 13 she refers to him as the Lord. And further in the same verse she says, You are the God who sees me. Evidently Hagar knew that the angel of the Lord was in fact the Lord himself. There's no doubt in Hagar's mind or in the mind of the inspired writer that the angel of the Lord and the Lord himself are one and the same. In verse 7 we read that the angel of the Lord found Hagar in the same way a shepherd would find a sheep from the flock that had wandered away. The angel of the Lord reminds me of another shepherd that we read about in the New Testament. Think about who that might be. So the next question is, was the angel of the Lord God? Let's have a look at Genesis 22, where God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Genesis 22, verses 1 to 12. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I go, and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham answered. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God. 
because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Note that it was God who said in verse 2, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. But in verses 11 and 12, it is the angel of the Lord who calls out from heaven and tells Abraham not to harm Isaac. So the terms God and angel of the Lord are being used interchangeably. And then in the later part of verse 12, the angel of the Lord says, You have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And yet we read in verse 2 that it was God who said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So, it's obvious from the text that the angel of the Lord is referring to himself as God. The third question we might ask is, was the angel of the Lord a man? Well, in Genesis 32, verses 22 to 32, we read about Jacob as he wrestles with God. And that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, What's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, which means he grasps the heel, but Israel, which means he struggles with God, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Peniel meaning face of God. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the Israelites do not eat the tendon, attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was, uh, was touched near the tendon. Well, in verse 30, Jacob states that he saw God face to face and yet he lived. But Jacob was referring to the wrestling match he had had with a man. Who was that man? And why did Jacob say after that encounter that he had seen God. Well, let's have a look at Hosea 12. And if you're trying to find Hosea, it's up towards the end of the Old Testament, <clears throat> probably two-thirds of the way through the Old Testament. And we read in Hosea 12, verses 2 to 5, uh, because it has something to say 
about what happened regarding Jacob's wrestling with the man. This is what it says. Uh, the Lord at that time was, um, through the prophet Hosea, uh, has a complaint uh, in regard to the people of Israel. And he says here, The Lord has a charge to bring against Judah. He will punish Jacob according to his ways and repay him according to his deeds. In the womb he grasped his brother's heel, a reference to Jacob. As a man he struggled with God. He struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for his favour. He found him at Bethel and talked with him there. The Lord Almighty, the Lord is his name. This scripture confirms that Jacob's struggle was with God in verse 3. And note in verse 4 that God is referred to as the angel. Hosea uses the name of God and the angel interchangeably. Now, if Jacob was able to wrestle with God in the form of an angel, whom Jacob thought was a man, this must mean that God took upon himself the form of a human being. And this reminds us of similar circumstances in the New Testament where God appeared as a man, if we think about it. Well, there are further proof texts. Let's read. When Jacob was near the end of his life, he desired to bless uh, Joseph's sons and he and to call them his own. So we read in Genesis 48, <clears throat> verses 15 and 16, Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd, all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. Note once again that the names of God and the angel are used interchangeably. And the same thing happens in Genesis 31, verses 7 to 13. In these few verses, God declares that he is the angel of the Lord. Jacob's father-in-law, Laban, was giving him hard time. <clears throat> so let's read from uh, Genesis 31, verses 7 to 13. And Jacob says to his wives, uh, Rachel and Leah, Your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said, the speckled ones who are born will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said, the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flock bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. 
I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now you leave this land at once and go back to your native land. So I want you to note in verses 11 and 13, the names of the angel of the Lord and God are used interchangeably. I think uh, we can safely say that the scriptures do declare the deity of the angel of the Lord. Or in other words, that the angel of the Lord was a visible, physical manifestation of the Lord God. God in the scriptures has graciously appeared as a man to particular people. Then the more God tells us about himself, the more we realize how great he is and how unfathomable he is. I want to ask you, can you think of another time, a time in the New Testament, when God graciously came to earth as a man? Well, the question that usually follows is this. Was the angel of the Lord a physical manifestation of God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? Now, it would seem to me that there is a very strong argument in favour of the view that the angel of the Lord is a Christophany, or to simplify it, he is the pre-incarnate Christ, or to explain it even further, the angel of the Lord is a physical manifestation of Jesus Christ as the second person of the Trinity before he was born of the Virgin Mary. First of all, there is an identity of function. If the angel of the Lord, that is God, appeared as a human, does the New Testament speak of God in the same terms? Did God appear as a human in the New Testament? Well, yes, the, the New Testament does speak in those terms. It speaks of Jesus Christ, who is God and man. Jesus said, if you've seen me, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. We read that in John 14, verse 9, uh, where he said to Philip, don't you know me? even after I have been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? The angel of the Lord appears at crucial points of history, coming to the aid of the people uh, in Old Testament times. Uh, for example, Samson was raised up by the angel of the Lord to save the Israelites from oppression uh, to the Philistines. And also Jacob uh, was saved from the oppression of Laban, his father-in-law. And God used Gideon to save the people of Israel from the oppression of the Midianites after a prophecy from the angel of the Lord about what Gideon would do for Israel. Jesus Christ appears at a crucial point of history. Romans 5 verse 6 says, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. We were powerless. We needed help. And Jesus came to provide that help when we needed it. And secondly, there is an identity of names. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, we read that well-known passage of Scripture that's read at Christmas, that Jesus Christ is called the mighty God. 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In Hosea 12 verses 4 and 5 we read that the angel is called the Lord God Almighty. In Isaiah 9 verse 6 Jesus is called Wonderful, and then in Judges 13, 17 and 18, uh, in the account about uh, Gideon, uh, Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, What is your name so that we may honour you when your word comes true? And he replied, Why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. And in Judges 13 and 18, the angel of the Lord said that his name is Wonderful. Or, as we've had translated in modern English in some Bibles today, beyond understanding. You might like to check the margins in your Bibles or a commentary. John 8:58 says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. And then in the Old Testament we read, God said to Moses in Exodus 3 verse 14, I am who I am. This is what you are to the, say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Jesus was saying that he was and is the great I am who had sent Moses to the people of Israel. Let me say in conclusion, the angel of the Lord like Jesus Christ came to be involved in the saving of his people. When we were studying Genesis 16, I was so reminded of Jesus. The angel of the Lord finds Hagar in the desert. She'd wandered away like humanity has wandered away from God. And the angel of the Lord goes out and finds her in the same way that Jesus goes out and finds us. The angel of the Lord had become and has become to the aid of his people. He saved Israel from oppression in this life, but he saved us from the power of sin to condemn us to hell for eternity. The second person of the Trinity as the angel of the Lord had sacrifices made before him by Samson's parents pointing to that time that he would offer himself as a sacrifice to reconcile us once and for all time to God. What a wonderful Saviour and Lord we have who has watched over and saved his people from the beginning of time. We do not love and serve some distant supreme being. The God of the scriptures has physically manifested himself down through the ages for the purpose of saving his people. In other words, he got his hands dirty because he is deeply concerned for us. He had to come to his own creation, sin-stained though it was, to save us, 
because we could not save ourselves. This is something to get excited about. This is something that I'm excited about. I am excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may our hearts respond in gratitude that the creator of all things, and that's who Jesus is, we read in Colossians 1, the creator of all things, that he would come as a man to save us from the consequences of our sins, restoring us to a right relationship with God. Let me read these verses from uh, Philippians chapter 2 and I finish. Verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in an appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What a wonderful saviour we have. Will you pray with me? Our gracious Father, we do thank you that our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ had, did come to save us. He left the glory of heaven, set it to one side to take upon himself the form of a man that we might be redeemed, that we might have life eternal that we might be restored to you, our God. Help us, our Father, to think about this deeply and even to get excited about it, the knowledge of Jesus and all that he has done for us. For we ask this in his name. Amen. We're going to sing, will you stand, more than conquer.